welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Hey everybody, my name is C.J. Reynolds and I run this show called Sunday Night Teacher Talk, which is essentially, it's really out of like wishing something like this existed when I started teaching because there's not a place to go and vent your frustrations or talk about stuff or get help or whatever. So I am here with the uh, with my trusty band of, of colleagues here on the side. And this the idea here is you ask questions and either I have an answer or all these wonderful people on the side have an answer or both and you win all around. It's like the, uh, the, you won both showcase showdowns. So you like that one? <laughs> um, if you missed this podcast it's every sunday at 5 p.m eastern standard time you can jump in and see the live feed this is also goes up as a podcast where my homie jake puts this up as a podcast every monday morning at 6 a.m eastern standard time something like that so you can listen to it on your way to school or while you're getting ready or you know whatever whatever you're doing eating cereal and then every friday night right friday morning friday morning at 6 a.m a classic class classic i don't really use air quotes very often but we used to do this show called teacher talk live right something like that Gosh, i can't even remember there's too much alliteration in our lives I know. so it, that is when i used to do this show but with other youtubers or famous teachery people and we would answer questions together but that turned into be a logistical nightmare and i stopped doing it so now i just do it by myself because it's a lot easier because it's just me and the wife um who stays safely off to the side um, if this is not enough for you, I do uh, mentoring. Like you can sign up for mentoring on my website, realrapwithreynolds.com. I also do speaking engagements and stuff. I was just up in North Jersey yesterday. I got to talk for a little bit at the um, NJPSA building where uh, learning forward from New Jersey, headed by this guy, Bob Price, who's like a fascinating individual. He might be like in the running for most interesting man in the world. Um, Bob asked me to come up and do like a talk and it was great. I had a really great day and there's really wonderful people up there and I'm looking forward to doing that again. So I think that's everything. I think that's it. I, gosh, there's a million things. Like, yeah. you know, my favorite, you know, my favorite podcast title is um, long short story long. That's the name of the podcast. It's a drama from Rob Deerdick's oh, cousin. I do like his and I just, I think that's the best name short story long. Cause it literally encapsulates my whole life. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to jump into questions. If you have a question, could you do me a favor and please put Q or the word question ahead of it? If you haven't done that already, don't worry about it. We'll see it, but it just helps me. It helps us to like find the questions faster and to make sure that we don't forget anybody in the midst of all the side chat. Yeah. Which is great. We love it. Oh, let's real quick. Just say happy birthday to Kate, the sleepy teacher. Um, if you don't check out her YouTube channel, you can, and she's a friend of mine and today's her birthday. She's like, I don't know how old she is. She's lovely. She is. Go send she's her some, a Yeah, she's some years old today. Um, Helena Lee is asking, good evening. Hello from Navajo country. Um, where's Navajo country exactly? I know it's in the U.S. Navajo is, oh, I feel like I should know that. Dang it. Anyway, um, starting the cop out of teaching middle school. My students oh, don't. Oh, okay. Um, I we do that. <clears throat> I was thinking because we went to New Mexico at the time when we went to Bandelier and saw like, and anyway, that's a whole nother thing. My students don't want to learn help. I'm looking for reasons to leave for the day. Um, 
I would say this, Elena. Um, look, school sucks, right? School mostly sucks. And even if you are trying to do something awesome in school, but your students have had 12, 13, 14 years of suckdom, um, that's a hard thing to fight against. That's like, imagine if like, imagine if you were dating someone that had like 12 or 13 or 14 awful dates or awful relationships before you, right? This is a weird metaphor to make, but I'm making it anyway. That it's like, you're battling against that. So it can take time. So like if it's two months in and they haven't bought in, it's like keep trying to figure out ways. And I realize that that can be daunting. So here's what I would suggest you do. A couple of things. One, is it the, and I just made a video about this. So I'm, I'm like reiterating what I said, but um, if, are you, is it your whole class doesn't want to learn or is there like one kid and like the dudes that follow that kid that really don't want to learn? I like that our neighbor is literally cleaning outside the window that I'm facing right now. I know. I, I thought and I have a giant wing shades. ring. I thought to leave the shades open because I thought it was going to still be light for a little it's bit. It's really distracting because he's it's watching me and he has zero idea that I, I, what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just weird. It's like. You finally came out and cleaned up your room at your yard at six o'clock at night in the dark. So, <clears throat> or are there like a few kids in there that either are doing work or you think could do work? I would start with that small band of dudes. You know, like it's that whole idea of like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't drink, make a drink. But can you just rally around those students during like independent work time and like help them to get on board. I would do this last year. I had a class that seemed like the whole class was just annoying. Like nobody wanted to learn. No one wanted to do anything. So what I started doing was I would give general instruction. Here's what we're doing. Here's the project. Here's the assignment, whatever it is. And then I would go to a student that looked like they were going to do work or that mostly did work. And then maybe say, hold on one second. Yo, come here. Are you doing this? All right, come work with us real quick. And then we would work as part of a like a trio now. And then if we got stuck on a question or a particular issue, I'd find someone else that was, yo, are you working too? Yo, come here. Do Are you guys working also? All right, come over here and work with us. And then what you're doing is like you're building this community of people that are working that's like a circle within the circle. And that helps other kids to realize that like, oh, crap, like, like I'm not getting the grade, but Reynolds is really sitting here helping everyone that helped. And also you start building this culture of like, then when we're all working and I'm like, hey, does anybody want like lollipops or like a rice crispy treat or whatever crap I have on my desk? Um, you start building, it's incentivizing now what it is and then paint the picture. Like, look, even though all this is going on, I really appreciate you all like putting in the work. Um, here's how it's going to affect your grade. You're getting, we're getting lollipops and we're getting stuff done. Like we're finished. Like, early or, or whatever, or like, you know, you are creating the picture of what it looks like to succeed for those particular students. Um, kids that really, really don't want to learn. I, I think finding out their backstory is everything. When you realize that everyone has a story and everyone's fighting a battle that you know nothing about. So if you're on, um, I don't know if you're teaching on a reservation, if you're in Navajo country, but like, if like, what's the backstory there? Like, and I don't know what your backstory is either. Like, how much do you know about the particular culture from which and background from which your students are coming from? Like, maybe 
like finding out about that. And this is to anyone like to, to finding out what your student's backstory is, like what what the part of the work, like if I had to go teach there, I wouldn't know anything about it. So I'd have to do like a real deep dive into culture and history and and family history. And then knowing what students are coming from, sometimes it makes you see that of course, they're reluctant to listen to you. Maybe they've had a million teachers. Maybe their life has not been pretty up until this point, And they're battling a lot of demons. And the more you know about that, it doesn't give an excuse. It gives a reason and it gives you something to build on after that. So that's what I would try to do. Um, it's my short story long. Uh, but man, there's a 100 things you could talk about for that particular question. Uh, Scott. Scott. Ord, Ordway. Ordway, that's not even that difficult. I just made that way more difficult than it had to be. Mm -hmm. Question, hi, CJ. What are some great ideas to sprinkle in some magic for students during a lesson? First of all, Scott, thanks for using uh, sprinkle and magic. I think that that's awesome. Um, I think, so some of the stuff I talked about yesterday in my talk was, I think playing music behind, I think playing music in general is just a good move, right? And so I just like music playing in my room. I think that when we're reading something that is adventurous, I play adventurous music behind it. When there's a sad moment, I just Google sad music instrumental on YouTube. I play it from my phone and I pay the little bit of extra so I don't have some kind of Tide commercial in the front of it. Um, playing that while something sad is going on. It's a really great way to kind of like take things out of the ordinary. Playing music behind when students are reading their own written responses. So if you have a prompt that says this, this, or this, you are playing the music um, that matches that. So the other day I had uh, a kid that read, a, he wrote a journal entry that had something to do with cereal. Like it was like the saddest day of his life because like he had woken up in the morning, he thought there was more Reese Puffs and he went downstairs and he tipped the, they like had this whole story, like tipped the box and the, like three came out. And it was so sad. And I was like, dude, can you just, can you read that again? Because I wasn't fully paying attention, but really it was so I could look up sad music instrumental and it was just a piano. <laughs> and, and then he leans into it, right? Then he's just like, it was the saddest moment of my life. Three Reese Puffs came out of the cereal box. And it was like, it was so funny. <laughs> it like, it was the best, man. So that, I think music is a really quick way to do that or think about how you can teach the same thing using different stuff. So like um, if you can like, like instead of drawing a picture of the Island of Lord of the Flies, building something out of Legos, creating characters out of clay, um, stopping and just asking your students what they're interested in. Like maybe start class by just asking kids like, you know, real quick for five minutes, like what's everyone listening to right now? Like what's your go-to song right now? Or if you could only watch one show tonight, like what would you, what would you watch or one YouTube channel? What would you watch? What do you check in on first when you go on YouTube? Just regular stuff like that. Just all it's doing is moving the needle a little bit. And then you can kids see that you have an actual interest or you're actually trying to make something interesting happen in class. And then you go into your regular everyday lessons. Uh, Regina is asking, no one really wants to tell you this. What, no, we, no one really wants to tell on this one kid being a pain to the other students, but I need to do something. How do I approach the student when no one will say exactly what she did? Um, students aren't snitching. Wait, no one like, really wants to tell I think they're saying the student oh, isn't, no no students are actually being cool. Want to rat somebody other, out right? because they're, be, they're doing too much. Right. Um, 
Oh, gosh. What do you do when that happens? I think there's a couple of options here. One, sometimes I pretend I know what's going on. It's like, look, I don't know exactly, but I have a sense of what's going on. Just be mindful to make good decisions because otherwise that phone call is going to look like this if I have to call home. So I'm not implicating you. I'm just saying that like this is what I'm hearing. So get your mind right so we can go forward. That's a uh, Mr. Harrison term. Um, and come up with get your mind right. But that that's one way to kind of, to kind of handle that. Um, if kids don't want to rat someone out, but they're doing something wrong, sometimes asking what you should be looking for or what do I need to know or how can I help? Like what you're doing is not saying, what did someone do wrong? Tell me what they did. And so they get in trouble. But like, all right, look, we all know something's going on here. What do I need to be on the lookout for? How can I help? What In what way can we help move this path, like get past this? Sometimes kids will tell you that because what you're doing is looking for a solution instead of looking to just get someone in trouble, which is going to then get them in trouble as well. Brody's crawling. <laughs> All right, that looks like a walking dead. Um, so that's two ideas of what I would do. Or maybe ask someone in your building that's more like experienced, like with those particular students or with this kind of thing, like asking them what they would do in this particular situation, because they're going to know your school. They're going to know maybe the students are going to, they've maybe been in that situation before and they might be able to add on and, and tell you what, what they would do. If anyone in the comments has an answer for that too, that would be a really great thing to help out on as well. Um, John is asking John clock. How do you, help a really energetic student who is also kind of defiant, but is mainly just distracting the others with his movements and talking. Um, I, I provide, so I think there's a couple of things. One, I think if you can do a standing desk or something for them, somewhere for them to move, right? So maybe like their desk is in the back or to the side of the room, where there's a little bit of free movement, space around it you just let them know like look you can stand up if you need to you like this is what this could look like if i'm standing over here and i'm and i'm feeling too like energized um this is what i could do or give them tasks to do where they're like handing stuff out collecting stuff sometimes i i don't know if i've talked about this before but like i have teachers in other rooms that i have an agreement with that if a student comes and asks for the like the red stapler or whatever they know that this kid needs to just get out for a minute and then they go oh no i don't have the red stapler but so and so has it on the third floor you can go to the third floor and get that and then they'll go up there and then they find out that you know they, they don't have it they have to come back to me and they come back and they say nobody has the red stapler and i'll go all right that, i really really appreciate your help but i'll look for it somewhere else so you're like creating a thing for that kid to do that's not really real, but it's getting out some of their energy or just checking in with them. Bro, I'm noticing a lot of like, we got a lot going on today. So what do we need to do to help you with that? And don't let them say nothing. Don't let them say um, nothing. I'll be cool. I'm just going to chill, whatever. It's like, do you need to go take a walk real quick? Do you need to get water? Do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you need to go do a, like a hundred pushups or something like that? Like, what do we need to do? Because let's, let's do something. And then try and add some sort of kinesthetic part to your lesson. Like what, whatever that is, like maybe they're like writing on the board. Maybe they get up and they're doing like four corners in your classroom and moving around or like whatever it is. It, it, it 
is worth thinking about how you're implementing your lessons and giving that child freedom to kind of get up and move so that it's, you know, what you don't want to do is like, 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 and I'm not saying you're doing this, but I know I've done this is like, you don't want to crush kids for something like that. They can't help it. And when you're young, you start like damning yourself for being different than everyone else. And that's what you don't want to do to a student. You want them to know, like, no, it's actually pretty great. Like, I wish I had that energy. Like, I wish I could like be on fire like that all the time. But school's not built for kids like that. School's built for vanilla children. And what happens when you have kids at a rocky road? And so that kid just happens to be rocky road. That's awesome. People love rocky road but we have to create something for them to be able to get up and move and do stuff. So I think just having honest conversations sometimes and saying, look, man, I'm noting this about you. It's wonderful. I think that it's great. What can we do to help you have the greatest amount of success in class? What has helped before? What has worked in the past? And maybe the move is also calling home and asking their parents like, Hey, what, like what's worked before? This is what I'm noticing, right? It's great. Nothing wrong with it. I want to be able to help your child find the greatest amount of success in my classroom. What have teachers done in the past that has really helped your student? What have teachers done in the past that's really hurt your student in, in that this way? And I think that that will give you a ton to go on. And then parents know that you're on the same page as though, as or like that you are rooting for their kid as well. Hales Teach is saying, how's the running streak going? Uh, it's going good. What's today? Forget. Hey, Google. How many days since December 10th? 328 days. 328, which means today's day 329, which I didn't run yet because I've been editing the book all day, which is hard, man. They sent it's so much more work than I thought it was going to be. I had like a mini meltdown on Friday when I got all the edits, right? And I was like, went to Starbucks to go do work at my same table that I always go to. And then I start freaking out. And then I had to come home. And then my wife had to talk some sense into me, which is pretty much how we roll. And then, uh, I worked hard all day and then I didn't run. So I got to go run day 329 tonight. Um, I keep wondering. So for those of you that don't know, I'm running every day for a year. I started on December 10th. So I have, uh, I don't know how many, 365 minus 329 days to go because I teach English for a reason. Um, but the question is, do I keep running for the rest of the year since it's so close I don't know. Like at, last night, it was so cold and windy and crappy out to run in. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to. Maybe it's I thirty six days. Yeah, thank that. you very much. <laughs> uh, thank you, Dobson. Um, I, it's like, do I just stop? I, like I might. There's a good chance I will. I don't really know if I. Hey, I think if you decide to stop, because it like, will be a year. You did a year, it's but it like, will be exciting cool. to say that I ran every day in 2019. Yeah. So. And there's like a challenge on top of your challenge. It's like cherry. I don't. I don't need a cherry on top of my challenge. <laughs> you actually don't like it, the cherries. <laughs> I already almost got frostbite and heat stroke uh, this we, summer. We do have a gym membership. You know, you could go there. Yeah, I hate running at the gym. I know. They make you watch Jersey Shore or Fox News. It's awful. It's like death and destruction and sadness. Um, unicorn, and running. Unicorn said, "Do it." Uh, gosh, maybe if someone does it, maybe unicorns will run with me. I. That, that would be cool. There you go. Uh, that made me think of about seven jokes. Anyway, James Hoff is asking, what are some tips to do to better manage assessing students through large group instruction? Uh, so first of all, <clears throat> I'm going to ask for everyone's help on this one because 
I only teach English. And so if you teach, so this might be applicable to other people. So to all different uh, subject areas and grade levels. So if you could leave your answer on the side, the question again was, what are some tips on better manage to better manage assessing students through large group instruction? Um, hold on, don't take the phone away yet. I'm thinking, uh, what are some tips on better manage assessing? Um, I, I'm not, I feel like, I feel like I need more to go on for that. That's why this should be a call-in show sometimes. Just write it in, James. I know we've talked James, about that. If James, still, if you if can, watching, like, what are you doing? Like, like what are you teaching? What grade? What And what's going on? Like, what are you, is there something coming up? Are you working on something now that you're looking for a specific answer for? Because that, like, yeah, I just, like, if it was a little bit more dialed in, I can answer that. And we'll look for your question so that I, I'll make sure that, like, I get back to that. Um, and that then I can get back to that question uh lance's oh, tracy pinter said i and i think this is related to that she said google forms google classroom quizlet and kahoot is that in those are all good answers yeah i think having students assess themselves sometimes helps um or assess each other uh i hate the yeah. assess each other one because then what if you have students who don't pull your school baggage on me girl like ieps in there like the, i mean so many kids are now being like flooded into mainstream as much as possible yeah. so i like self assessing other students that always makes me leery as a parent for my kid who struggles like that's i hate those uh because i feel like it leaves open yeah. like for other kids to make fun of you like when you're struggling with like something as simple as like I'll use birdies as an example. If you're dyslexic and your spelling is really off, even in fifth and sixth, seventh and eighth grade, yeah. you know, and other kids see that you are an easy target. So but I hate. That's why you, that's why you pair kids up on purpose. So you don't let them pick their own. Cause I don't want my friend. Like if me and my friends, like we're, if we got to pick each other in high school, we would just said, yeah, he did an awesome job, you know? <laughs> so you pick someone and then you give them a very specific okay. rubric. So they know exactly what they're looking for. Um, and yeah. And then that's about, that's more about building culture and stuff like that. So, but I don't think yeah. all teachers do that. I think it's one of those things that like, they just, they just say pair up, right. Or just switch. We're not talking and... about all teachers. We're talking about these people I know. and these people, people like us do stuff like that. Like okay. Seth Rogen or Seth Godin says, not Seth Rogen. That's a way different dude. Um, Lance is asking any advice on a, on the rubric 4.0 teacher evaluation. I don't, I don't know what that is. I'm very sorry. Um, so I'm going to ask two things. I'm going to put that, man, this is like, this is like all going to the audience tonight. Um, if you, if anyone knows about that and can help Lance out with that. So it's Lance Harbor um, is the name. And then he's saying any advice on the rubric 4.0 teacher evaluation. I don't know what that is. If you can explain it, I can maybe answer it better or cause maybe I know what it is. And I just don't know what it's called. Or maybe someone on here, I feel like Richard Royster would be the go-to dude on that because that my man's got to be doing some oh. assessments. He's the assistant principal. What'd they say? Yeah, of said 4.0 teacher evaluation is Marzano. I don't know what that I is. I don't either. So, and here's why. Because at our school, so like I get assessed in a bunch of different ways. But one of those is by having our curriculum specialist just comes in and then will just like write me an email. Hey, here's what I saw today. Here's what I loved. Here's what I'm wondering about or what I have questions about or that I think you could change to have your class do a better job. 
that's it. Like that's the extent of, of my evaluations. It's not like some kind of like little bubbling thing that I think are a lot of times like misleading um, or just really ambiguous. It's specific for South Carolina. It's a grading scale one to four where teachers rate their assessment. Tracy said it's for South Carolina. Teachers rate their assessment. You got Kayla and Tracy. I don't know. I don't, I still, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still not sure. There's so many different forms and variations of things and even like just regular testing. I feel like there's so many variations uh, to see. It so another place to ask that question real quick is in the Facebook group. So if you go to mm-hmm. Real Rapid Reynolds Teacher Talk, I would put that question in there. There's got to be other South Carolina in Carolinas, Carolina, Carolinites in there that uh, could help you out with that as well. Um, all right, let's get to a question I have an answer for. Here, hope, I don't this, like letting people this down. This is such a good one. I hope you can answer this one. Okay. Welcome to This Amazing Life is saying, what do you think the purpose <laughs> of life is? Well, we, we have time for this. Uh, gosh, to love people and serve them. I think that that's really it. Hmm. Great answer. That's my short answer for that one. It's amazing. It was uh, short. John, there you go. Short question, long answer. Um, John Lopez is asking question. When former students return to see you and are in college or university, what do you say about, what do they say about how your class made them feel ready and take on a higher academic challenge. So John Lopez, I actually just had this question the other night or this happened the other day on Thursday. Um, old student came by, we call him Frizz and Frizz said that there was actually, there wasn't much about my class that made him get ready. What he did say, which was really interesting was I didn't realize how like useful stuff was or like the work that you guys put in or like how, like our relationship was so important because when I got to college, the relationships weren't there. The professors just didn't care on that level. They didn't like care if you had a long night last night and you didn't, couldn't get your paper. in. it's like, it was such a reality check for them because they had gotten like all this love and care and attention in school. But then what really was surprising to them was that like that didn't exist outside of the walls of our school and not, not just with me as a teacher, but with all the teachers. So, and what they said, so I said like, would, would me being more strict um, like, like if I had acted more like your college professors sort of act, would that prepare you? And they said, no, because Cho acts just like that. And they were like, and we still took her for advantage, like advantage of like her kindness also, not in a bad way, but sort of like they just assumed that that would exist further out. So it's like, you know, and then they come back and they're like, and I, this kid said like, just sitting in your room just was amazing because like coming back and sitting in the room, he's like, cause I look at all the stuff you do for the students and you just don't get it when you're younger. So what I think what we're doing is I think the the thing that stood out to me was, again, this idea that as teachers, we are planting seeds in students and they might not get the lesson now. They might not get it all. It might not like be something they understand now, but going forward, it's like things like grace and kindness and empathy. They get it later where they go, damn, like I didn't even realize the goodness that was there um, until I left and then they get it. And so that was really important to me. What you got? Oh, sorry. I was 
I was so on time too with that one. There you go. Awesome. Next question is I'm, I'm going to mess this up. Toma Lonut. I think I, I don't know if I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Uh, question I quit teaching literally after one month of school. What would you recommend me? I think that question is like, what would I recommend that you do now? Look, here's the thing. Teaching is really, really hard, right? And when people, like when you can't hack it, right? That could be a couple of things. It's either you just weren't ready for it um, or your school was not, like if you don't feel supported, like maybe that school wasn't a good fit. Maybe there's a different school that's a better fit. So I would think about a couple of things. One, was that school a good fit? And if not, then look for a new school that's a better fit. And remember, when you're interviewing schools, when you're interviewing for jobs, you're also interviewing the school to see if it's a good fit for you. I think the other thing that you could do is tutor. See if like it's that's still what lights you up is helping students learn. And I mean, tutors can make a ton of money, man. And then maybe you are tutoring for yourself. Maybe you're partnering with something else so like uh what's the one vid kid is that one of them yeah so i met somebody yesterday that does that um yeah yeah. uh who's the lady that i really liked i told you the art teacher anyway it doesn't um lisa so lisa does vid kid or um i've worked with a company before vip vip kid yeah why i keep saying vid kid um there's also another company i've worked with in the past i haven't worked for them but i've made content for them called Dada ABC and they will pay you to like tutor children um, globally and your connection is unstable. Please wait. We are reconnecting. Are we still on? Yeah, it looks fine to me. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, So those are options too. So maybe tutoring will let you know, like if, if everything else is stripped away and it's one-to-one with a student that wants to be there and needs to be there, are you connecting with them? And then maybe that helps you out going forward too, to figure out if this is what you, what you should be doing. Um, Belinda, man, that's the whole name. Belinda Colosimo Miniti. Maybe said that right, but probably not. (laughs) Belinda, uh, his question is, how do you hook students in at the start of lessons where the content is not particularly interesting? Belinda, I, I was just, I was just writing about this in the book today. I think Look, I th- here's what here's what I would do, right? And it's like uh, the the long way to do this sometimes. But I think students are always talking about what they're interested in, right? And so it's easy for us to dismiss whatever pop culture references they're making or music they're talking about, movies, TV, because we're not interested in it. But if I think if we take the time to go into the world of our students, and maybe you watch an episode of Riverdale, or you watch The Hundred, or you watch Dolomite, or whatever new thing the kids are all talking about not and it could be the whole thing could be part of it right and then look as you're watching you're looking for something that you can connect to so maybe somebody makes a hypothesis in something maybe someone references the dystopian future maybe someone references has something that's a, an example of imagery or metaphor whatever it is that you're teaching and you look for ways to connect it to what you're teaching, I think that is the buy-in. So when I was just writing tonight, there's a part in the book where I'm talking about um, how to connect. Like, so if you're reading Fahrenheit 451, they always, the kids dismiss it because it's this old dusty text. And what could that possibly have anything to do with now? But when I point out the fact that it's like, 
pretty much there's like I think there's connections there to the Matrix. I think there's connections to Ready Player One, to virtual reality, to like the seashells that they wear in their ears during are just like the earbuds that exist or AirPods that exist now. Like I'm, but I'm looking for that stuff. But I think when students tell you about stuff or when you just hear enough kids talking about the same thing, TV show, movie, video game, commercial, whatever it is. And then, then that's how you're, you're, that's how you're looking to hook them because you want to put the bait out there. And sometimes just doing that little thing is going to make all the difference in the world. Like, Cause now we're looking at it through a different lens and that's how I think you do it. Um, Maisha is asking, uh, our school's main focus is on rigor. What is your definition of rigor? I, I think, gosh, I mean, it's going to be different for each kid, right? Because like rigor for one kid, like, like we, we talk a lot about grit in our school, which I don't think is much different than rigor. Rigor is like trying to, I, I think is making something a little bit more difficult so that when you are, if you know, you can bench press a hundred pounds, four times rigor is like, kind of like, let's put on five extra pounds and see if we can put that up four times, or let's see if we can go like five and a half reps. So they say, in working out, if you can do it's it isn't doing it's not the full amount of, of weight that you can put up for like if you can only do four reps, right? It's that next half a rep that that's where the muscles being built, right? It is in pushing ourselves a little bit further that we're going to grow. Now, look, there's but it's how do your students need to do that? Because I know. People like to look at my students and they always use words like grit with them. But my guys have mad grit. Like they've been through it time and again, lost friends, lost family members, got caught up in the streets, got, you know, in trouble with something that got um, what just maybe they come from great families, but just watching the community in which they live, like they can't play bas basketball, a certain basketball court because it's not safe. Like that kind of grit is in them, but they don't always have academic grit, right? They can't always read for long periods of time. So that's some of the stuff that we work on is because when you take the state test or the, or the SAT or you're in college, like you have to be able to read for longer and longer periods of time. And when my guys can only hang in for 10 minutes and then they're like, yo, I can't even read all this. It's so much. It's like, all right, well, how do we rig the game so you can win? How do we get you to up the ante? I think where we go wrong sometimes is by saying, putting like heavy duty texts or assignments in front of our students. And instead it's like, how can we incrementally move the needle so that students are gaining, are, are being asked, giving more rigorous assignments or being asked to you have a little bit more grit, but we're not telling them to do 10 more reps. We're saying, can we do two? And then when we hit that, can we do a little bit more? Can we do a little bit more? Can we do a little bit more? And that's how we're building that. Um, that grip, because I think that's how, that's how we learn everything. I think that's how we do everything in our lives. And um, I think a really good example of this, if you go onto my, I don't know if I've talked about this before also, but if you go onto my YouTube channel and you go to playlists, there's a playlist that's called something like what I watch to be a better teacher or something like that. And there's a Ted talk in there by a guy who talks about every, all these incredible things that he's done in his life. He's done 
by focusing on things for only five to 10 minutes at a time. And how like when he was a really crappy student in high school and he wanted to get better, he's like, I would go work on an assignment for five or 10 minutes at a time. And then I would take a break and go play basketball or play video games or do a little bit of drawing. And then I would go back to work, not to the same assignment, not to the same subject all the time, but just back to work for five or 10 more minutes. And it was those incremental changes that changed his whole life. And then he went on to like break win his Guinness Book of World Records and do all this kind of crazy, awesome stuff by just those tiny shifts instead of looking at the whole gargantuan change that you feel like you have to make to get to the goal that you want to achieve. Amy Russell, my buddy, is asking, do you have a good template or format for senior recommendations? I submitted some letters, but I'm not sure if I did it correctly. Uh do you get requests? I do get requests, but I usually turn them down because I'm well, because I'm a freshman English teacher. And so I tell the students that it looks a lot better um, unless I have like a really deep relationship with you that we've had for the last four years. It's better off you getting someone from your senior class or junior class, like someone that's known you more recently in the classroom setting to write those recommendations for you. Um, and I don't I don't know that I have a good. Yeah. Like I don't, I usually talk about some time in their life that I saw something incredible that I look for and that like warms my heart as a teacher. So maybe it's a time they did something amazing. Maybe it's a time that they really stood up for what they believed in or put a lot of extra work into something or came in late and worked on a project moving time and time again, or really crafted that essay or that short story that they were doing and put in that time. And then why this is something I look for in a student and how I think this will help that student be an excellent candidate for your school, for your, your program that you're running or something like that. Um, that's generally how I do that. Um, Kimberly Wallback is asking, what is the most important thing to remember when working with high schoolers? I'm a para with autistic kids. Kimberly, I think one I think the number one thing we need to remember is that kids are kids. Like they're just kids. And so they don't have the wherewithal to make good decisions all the time, right? And if I'm working with autistic students, I'm thinking these are students that have often been overlooked, that get pushed aside, that don't get all the services that they need. So how am I going to be an advocate for that particular child? And if my school does not have what I think are the appropriate um services for that kid how can i supplement those on my own like so i look stuff up like i just make I just make things up as i go or like like try and figure out what's best for that kid i think also like i said to uh someone earlier calling home and saying like hey look this is what the ip says right this is what i'm supposed to be doing but what has really worked for your child in the past because we all like like an IEP can be really great and it can really help a student, but a lot of times they feel sort of like cold or like these are the things you need to do. But it's like, eh, that's like, I don't want to use the metaphor. I'm sorry. The only metaphor I can ever think of is like, if someone told you, no, I'm not going to use that metaphor. I was going to use the kissing one. I think that's a great Is metaphor. it a good one? Mm -hmm. If someone told you when kissing someone else, these are the things you need to do, right? Like close your eyes, like whatever it is. It's like, Make your lips soft. Yeah, it like just makes it more out. prescriptive, it's like right? It's terrible. But then it's like, you got it. You like, there's just better ways to do it. 
And so this is such a, I get that that is the weirdest connection point, right? What I'm saying is sometimes things like kissing, things like cooking, like you can follow the recipe, but sometimes it's when someone just sprinkles a little magic in there that makes the, that like they made the fried chicken the same way as everyone else, but they just did it with their heart and that made it better. So I think sometimes things coming from the heart um, work better. So I would call home and ask what things have helped your child in the past that might not show up in the IP that just are going to make it a better year. Do they need manipulatives? Do they need timeout? Do they need a special seat in the classroom? Should I ask them about a particular thing? Is there is like, what is it that's going to connect on a heart level? And I think when we connect with students on a heart level, it makes everything easier. Kids don't act up. They want you to, to, to think that they're successful. They want praise from you because they believe in you or, or they know that you know them on a level that not many other people have taken the time to get to know. And I think especially when teaching any students, but especially students with autism, um, patience. It's all patience. It is I will sit here and I will listen to you talk about your cat again for the fifth time today um, because I care. And so, sure, there has to be like limitations and there need to be boundaries and all that stuff. I get that. But it is, I found an incredible amount of patience for students because you don't want to just harry them through because sometimes that that working memory or that processing speed is, is a little bit slower um, and it takes them longer to get from A to B. And it's like, I got time for you, bro. Go ahead. I want to hear the whole story. Don't shorten it on my account. Like I got all the time in the world for you. And I think that that really makes a difference. Unicorns Rock is asking, my district's major push this year is for student agency, voice and choice. Do you think there is such a thing as too much agency in the classroom? Yeah, I I mean, sure. I I think everything, there's always too much of anything, right? Like uh, there's some stuff kids just have to know. I think giving voice and choice allows them to decide. It's like, there's a million ways you could teach any one thing, but are we going to do that? Like, do we have a group of kids that are more project-based? Do they want to have like, do they want to um, learn through reading, learn through experiences, learn through tactile stuff? Like they're creating things together. They're working together or by themselves. Like I think that, that amount of choice is good, but it's, it's, I think really gets, comes down to getting to know your students and learning how they learn best and then helping students realize like come up with the best choice for them because i think students will often want with the the past of path of least resistance so they just want to do like the least amount of work possible for for like the desired outcome um but how do we help them to realize like what's actually best for them. So I think it's, I think that voice and choice is good, but it has to come as part of a discussion with the teacher and with the other educators to figure out what's best for the child. And when we have what's actually like, when we actually get to know kids and then we help them figure out like, or then, or we start figuring out like what might be most beneficial for that student, then pushing them that way. Uh, I think that when we think of diverse learning styles, one of the greatest things about it is that kids that just do well by just reading and regurgitating things on tests get pushed into project mode and they're like, I hate projects. But someone that sucks at reading and regurgitating things on tests 
does really good with projects, that's where we're leveling the playing field, right? We're pushing kids into a world where they might feel a little bit uncomfortable because that's how they're going to grow. Um, so yeah. Uh, Chris, Chris had a great comment. You might want to read. Chris said, read actually the kiss metaphor is perfect. Thanks, Chris. Um, Cause it makes me feel weird. Uh, written many IEPs and you can't do it all in there. And some things may not be acceptable for the IEP state standards, but are perfect. Um, for them to be successful. A hundred percent, man. Really good point. Um, Jenny is asking, I am going, I am a paraprofessional and I love my job, but I don't get teacher benefits and pay. I have a master's degree in library science, but no teaching certificate trying to decide if I should get one or hold on. Let me find the second part of that. No, it's fine. Um, snap. Or I don't see the second part of her question. Unless she just did oh, a dot, dot, dot. No, but look. Am I? Look, there's a question. I lost it. Damn it. Hashtag winning. No, there it is. That's her question. But I don't see her picture anywhere else. All right. So, um, trying to decide if I should get one or not, maybe. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, if you want to teach, then yeah, like, I don't know that there's another way that you're going to be able to make that kind of money otherwise. Um, but if you go, some schools will just take, like, I know we've, we've hired people before that, like over English teachers. And we were like, now you teach history or science because you can get like an emergency certification if you go to like a title one school. So I don't know if that is your jam or if that's like your passion or where you feel called to. But if it is, if that's something that's interesting to you, a lot of times schools will give you that emergency certification. And I think in doing that, you're actually like working towards actual certification. So that's something to look into. But but if that's not your interest, I mean, it's like, I think being a para is something that's really an amazing job. But if you feel like you want to be the one like that's actually in charge of that class or you're creating your own curriculum and and you want that's like you want to be the lead teacher then i don't know that there's another way besides going back for that um i know and somebody else might be able to help me out with this too and 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 have a better answer but when i graduated with an english degree and i quickly realized that that was useless to me um because i didn't want to be an editor or a publisher or, or work in that world um i wanted to teach i went back for a forget what they call it post baccalaureate certification so i really i took like one semester of classes and then i student taught and then that was it and then i was i think it was a year program or maybe a year and a half but they have accelerated programs for that sort of thing too to help you out um a lot of people said tracy said in ohio it's called supplemental license how do donna said florida has out of field status so that a teacher can earn the cert within a year or so yeah so I think it's per state, like it's just called something different. Yeah. Um, Helena Lee is, at, is saying one third of 80 students, enough to give second thoughts. I just, wait, was there a first part of that? I don't think so. All right. Um, one third of 80 students, enough to give me second thoughts. I just finished grading assessments. The responses were crazy and done with no effort. I, I, I thought that was a question. Sorry. Oh. I don't know if it is or isn't. So I will say something about that. I think sometimes 
there, there's this really great video. Um, if you look up, and I'm going to send you to another YouTube video. If you look up Seth Godin clarinet, there's a great video that this guy, Seth Godin, who's an entrepreneur and a speaker, and I is just someone that I really like kind of adore, um, says that word make you laugh. Mm-hmm. I adore him. He's an amazing human being. He talks about how students try to do the bare minimum all the time because they know that if they do the best they can, all they get, like the reward for good work is just more work. Like it's going to be harder. So why not try and find that middle ground and just ride out the average? And so it's about incentivizing or talking to students about how they can do their best and what that will actually do, but in real ways. So, or helping students see like, this is what was actually expected. So one of the things I started doing a couple of weeks ago, and I talked about this in a recent video too, was on my board in the front of the room every week on Monday, I put, these are all the things you were going to be um, accountable for this week. So this is how many journal entries. This is how many participation points you can achieve this week. This is what this two study guides or whatever that we're going to do this week and how many points they're worth. Um, the Friday reflection, like all the stuff that's going to be due this week or that can actually get you points. Now here, if you did, um, if it's, I can see you in there. I think, you, think you're invisible. I'll shoot it. All right. Uh, if we want to reach the bare minimum, right? Like this is how much you have to do just to pass for the week. It's only this amount of stuff, right? So what you're doing there, I think, is rigging the game to win. You're showing students this is how much you have. This is like the little bit that you have to do to actually pass for the week. Like, and I think this is doable. And if you want a good grade, this is how much you have to do. So I think in doing that, what we're doing is showing students like that this is the minimum effective, the minimum amount of stuff to do to get an achievable, like a desired result, or this, it's like not that much more to actually do well. And I think when we pare things down like that, it's like, it's like any workout video, right? Or like anything where that you're like, you're losing weight. It's like, all you have to do is take this tablet every day or just work, walk 30 minutes a day. And then you start thinking like, ah, I can do that. Like, I can do that. Like when you do a, an app, like headspace, when you start like meditating, it's only like five or 10 minutes. Like anybody has five or 10 minutes. Like, I don't care how busy your life is. You can find five or 10 minutes to do that. And then you ramp it up from there. So I think sometimes that helps students to do better on assessments or on anything is by realizing like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not an hour worth of studying. It's not a 30 minute assignment. It's like, I'm only doing it for like this little bit amount of time and then I can win. I can do that. And then once they start winning, then that becomes contagious. It's like, well, what if we amped it up a little, like, and what if instead of studying for just two minutes, we did three minutes, anybody can do three minutes and then that's it. Uh, Rachel is asking, I have a new student that is genuinely annoying, attention seeking and irritates the leaders of the class. I would just ignore his behavior, but I can't because that student, because the students can't. Oh, maybe that was the end of that question because the students can't. Um, I would say. Oh, crap. There it is. Um, Gosh, I think there's a there's a lot of things that you can do there is talking to that student, finding out what their story is, because sometimes kids like just want a ton of of attention because they're not getting it elsewhere or because maybe parents are enabling or their other teachers in the past have been enabling and now they're acting out in a certain way for a certain result. I think the other thing you can do is say like, all right, here's what I'm noticing in class. And it's 
what you're doing is taking up too much. Um, how do I want to say that? I don't think it's saying to them that they're kind of being annoying. I mean, it's, sometimes it is. Sometimes like, dude, you're being annoying right now and you, I need to dial it down. But I think more often than not, kindness wins. And I think that in being kind, what that could look like is saying like, um, when, when we are doing all of this, like, so this is what I noted is happening in class today. And I'm, I'm finding it hard to help other students because I'm more often than not coming back to you. But I think that if you're done, if you know, if you are finishing the work, what I'd love to do is have you help other students in the classroom or do this other thing. And so I, I think it's sometimes it's holding a mirror up to students so that they can see what their actions are actually doing, but then helping them build a bridge so that they can figure out how they can use that same energy, that same personality, the things that are, might be good about the stuff that they are doing to help others. And now you're empowering students. Now you're not saying, Hey, like, cause look, I've had annoying kids in my life, but if I think about kids that are really annoying, it's how do I, they're looking for something to fill them up. Right. They, and so they'll get it by being good or by being like bad. We'll say bad, oh, even okay. though, yeah, like pain in the ass. Um, but how else can we give that attention in a positive way where you're actually feeling empowered because you're helping someone else? I think that that's what it is. So, yeah. And and this is a tricky question because I have some really specific answers, but I don't want to like put kids on blast for how I do that. Um, I think it just it looks a lot of different ways, but I would think about what I would think about for you is like, what would this look like if this kid was succeeding and what are like forcing yourself to think about something positive in there? And then how can that be empowering to other students if you do that? Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I would start off with that. Tears of Grace is saying, I am shadowing two high school, middle school teachers this Tuesday, and I'm shadowing two elementary school teachers all day Wednesday. And I'm wondering what from a teacher's view, what should I be paying attention to the most? <clears throat> I would say, hey, what should I pay attention to today? Because um, I think what you're going to do is it's like whenever I get observed, I like to tell people what I want them to look at so they can give me feedback on that thing. They, there might be a hundred other things that they notice too, but it's putting me on offense. And so in going in saying like, hey, like, are there any like students or classes or things that you're doing that like I should be mindful of? Because I want to know kind of like what to look for. It's like almost like, like watching the trailer for a movie before you go see the movie. So you're knowing like what this story is about. And I think the other thing is, Hey, is there anything I can do today that might make your day a little bit easier or might make this like a really great, like, like how can I, like you're giving me the, the gift of having a look into your classroom and into your life and into what's going on here. And I'm sure, you know, I appreciate that. What can I do for you? Can I grade something? Can I help organize something? Can I staple things? Like what can I do to be active participant today? That's just going to make your life a little bit better. I think those two things will totally catch teachers off guard and will help them like want to do like the, it'll help you stand out also while you're there. Um, Luis Hernandez is asking, I met my current school only for this year and it's is it a good idea is it a good idea to leave teaching i just think that i need a break from school this is my first year my current school only for this year um look i think that's that's a tough what's that 
pop off summer. Yeah. Like you might find the reprieve for summer is enough. Are you chewing on a thumbtack? A toothpick. A toothpick? Yeah. Are you going to drive a truck later? <laughs> <laughs> or play horseshoes? <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you chew a toothpick before. Seriously? Yeah. Well, it's because I went to the diner the other day. You're going to raise a rope bronco. You might raise a rope. You're going to raise a rope bronco later. <clears throat> um, if you chew on toothpicks in the future, could you either have frizzly things on the front <laughs> or the end of a pirate sword? That would be even cooler. Um, okay. So no I, I think, yeah, look, I think do the best that you can. You will be completely surprised at how much reprieve summer gives you. And in the summer, when you have off, thinking about how you want to do a better job next year or, or not even just do a better job, but like, cause we always want to do better, right? It's not to say that you're doing a bad job now, but we always want to grow in whatever we're doing and thinking about what you would love your class to look like next year, not just how you're going to minimize the behaviors that were distracting or, or poor behavior this year or whatever. Like you're not just trying to crush what didn't go well, you're trying to maximize what did go well. I think sometimes we spend too much time, and this is a total Gary V thing, but like sometimes we spend a lot of time trying to fix what's broken or what we don't like about ourselves instead of capitalizing on what we do like about ourselves or what we are good at. And that's just worth giving some thought to. Um, and then I would, you know, I think leaving could be good maybe it's just that school's not a good fit like for you and I, I know i said that earlier but that's that's worth thinking about but thinking about like um you know i think i think more than anything look I, if you want to really survive the year and really make an impact still right like that's why we go into teaching we want to impact students on some level i think that takes going into school tomorrow and looking for a kid that feels like they're invisible and letting them know that they're not. Looking for a kid that feels like they can't do the work, that they're not cut out for the, that, that school sucks for them and helping them to see that maybe they do have something to offer and then helping to figure out what that is for that student and, and focusing on them. I think too often we focus on what we're not good at and 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 disregard what we are good at. And, and I am a perfect example of that. I will tell you that I can get hundreds or thousands of YouTube comments that, and this is me putting myself out there for a second, that are the most life-giving, uplifting, motivational stuff. Like it is just love on some levels that I can't even believe. And then it is the one time someone leaves a crappy comment and talks trash on me that it like crushes, it like breaks my heart. It's, it is like, I get stuck on that thing and it doesn't even make sense because it's like all this other great stuff's coming in all the time. And then I get that one crappy comment that I'm just like, is like a punch of the gut when I wasn't paying attention. And school can often feel like that. It's about, I think, being mindful, being grateful for what the things are that are going well, and then tripling down on those things. And as best we can, that what we're doing then is training our mind to just not look at all the crap all the time, but really focus on what's going well and what we can do and how we can literally change someone's life for this year. Lisa is asking, how do you pump yourself up to come up? Wait, pump yourself up to come to work after a super rough week. We had to evacuate class twice when a student had a meltdown etc i'm exhausted and can't get motivated for the next week lisa uh tell about uh it's public hannah did she did mm -hmm. she put on has, mm -hmm. it's been on social it, they're all on social mm -hmm. so, it's, it's a, 
should. All right. So what my wife is referring to is like, um, I had a student that was just directly. Quote. So I'm going to directly relate this to what you're going through and not, I'm not trying to match what you're going through at all. But if you're saying that other teachers have put this out on social media, then, yeah. okay. So um, I had a student that was murdered last week. He and his whole family were murdered. And um, that was on, I found out Wednesday night, went in on Thursday on Halloween to school. And it was like, it was the worst. Like, I, like even driving into school, I felt like I was driving towards a tornado. Um, Cause I knew it was going to be this really sad and awful thing that happened. And so I took off Friday cause I had some family stuff to deal with. So I, that was already pre-planned and I was, it was sad to, to miss school because I wanted to be there for the students. But in those moments, I, I know I have to take my own advice, right? That my attention is more important than my advice. There's nothing I can say when I'm standing there and everyone's writing things on the kid's locker. When I'm standing there with guys that I've never seen smile, let alone cry or like breaking down, like all you can do is hug kids. All you can do is show up. And so I think that sometimes it's not about being a rainbow or a shiny star or, or bring, it's not always sprinkling the magic on the classroom. Sometimes it's showing up. Sometimes it's the consistency because what this job does is it is so hard for people. And, and look, we're seeing some of those questions tonight and, and this isn't a diss to people, but it's hard. It's hard to show up again and again and again. But when we do, those are the moments that we win sometimes because it's through that consistency that students see us showing up again and again, being at your door every day, being that person at the front of the of the classroom, that that consistency is what wins. And and so I do show up. Like I don't want like going the idea of going to school tomorrow and just and having to teach, having to get back into the regular stuff of like vocab and finishing the Odyssey and preparing for the final is like so daunting. Because all you want to do is just sit there and be sad that you you have the class where the kid usually came in and it feels like crap, but instead you got to like teach a lesson. I think what motivates me is knowing that those students don't want to come to school either. There's other teachers that don't want to come to school either, but you know what? I'm going to show up anyway. I'm going to show up because they have to show up too. And sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that's what is the motivator for me is, you know, Muppet still has to go to school tomorrow. Like Kev still needs to go to school tomorrow. Like, like those dudes still have to show up. So I need to show up to be with them. And I think that that is my main motivator. And, and look, the other teachers too, like you need each other. Like this isn't like a one man show at school or a one woman show. It's like, we need to show up to be there for one another. And so that's my motivating piece um, to do to that. Take care of you. So that's, you do, you have to take care of you. So I, uh, I met a woman. I didn't think I said this to you. Yes. Yet. I was at, spoke at a conference yesterday and this woman, Elise said that her dad used to say, if the car doesn't have gas, nobody's going anywhere. Mm. And I just love, it was like, it like literally like every, you saw everybody write that down. Like everyone started <laughs> writing because it was so great. It was such a great reminder that you need to fill yourself up. So look, there's a hundred things I have to do tonight. I have to, I should be preparing for tomorrow. I should be working on the book. I should be working. I'm speaking this next weekend at the teach better conference in Ohio. Um, and so if you're around, you should come to that. Tracy Pinder is going to be there also. Um, but I'm not. But you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to watch. My kids are real into Shark Tank all of a sudden. I can't even believe it. It makes zero sense. I'm going to drink two beers. I'm going to watch Shark Tank. I'm going to eat something. 
um, that is probably not healthy because it's too late for healthy. Um, but it's like, and I'm going to go run. Because we've been so busy and, all day. Yeah, but I'm going to sit on the couch with my kids, enjoy time together. And that's what I'm going to do instead of the 75 other things that are that are calling for my attention because I worked all day. I like literally worked from the time I got up this morning until right until I came on here. So filling yourself up with things that you know are going to fill your soul because if the gas, if the car doesn't have gas, none of us are going anywhere. That's a really good reminder. That's like worth a tattoo. Yeah. I'm not getting that tattoo. You should think about getting that tattoo. I'm thinking um, about getting another tattoo though. We should talk about no. that. I have no idea. I like tattoos. So as many as you want, go for it. Both what about, it. I really think <laughs> I want a neck tattoo though. No, no that's where I draw. Come on. I'll look so tough. No. girl. I'll, babe, I'll look so tough. No. It's just it's real rap. <laughs> awesome <laughs> um you have another question can you stop oh i'm sorry oh, oh whoa that's a slippery new case a little bit i got a new phone and then it has a new case and the new cases you don't think it's slippery no uh summer tate my friend is saying i have a student seventh grade who is in who is low in academics is never on task and is constantly sneaking food side conversations always complaining never has backpack the class is frustrated with her. Any advice? Um, so, summary. Before you answer that, have you Donna said it was on your school's Facebook post? I guess. Oh. Donna looks at her. At oh. Bill's Facebook post. Or, or it's, is that a student? No, it's have you Donna said that. Oh, okay. Because um, students watch this too. Uh, I think, yeah. Wow, man. I didn't know. I, so, I'm, I'm like a little hair. I'm going to get to Summer's question in a second. I'm, I like when we throw things at the dog and instead of catching them, sometimes it hits off of his snout and shoots places. Uh, I'm, I'm a little leery about like, like I think the school putting it out there lets puts people in the know so they know what's going on, but like posting on social media about someone passing, like it's just kind of always a, they are yeah, it's a tricky thing day. because you don't know how families feel and stuff like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that about my school, but, yeah. and, and Hannah is like completely lovely and would never do anything with ill intent, no. but like, um, that's how that i just feel just that hard. way like me when too yeah. when my dad passed i did not put yeah. it on facebook like yeah. it's just not, it's that's not for me it's weird yeah and that's not like if you want to do that that's how you Everybody's connect different. yeah awesome but anyway summer tea um you know girl you know what i'm gonna say about this you know i'm gonna say what's the kid's story we got to know what's going on there because that's going to inform what we do next uh and i think look i think sometimes like Kids are annoying for a lot of different reasons. Sometimes they know what those reasons are. Sometimes they don't. I think kids are annoying sometimes. I think our own children are annoying sometimes. And I don't even think they know they're being annoying. <laughs> right Right now, this is an annoying thing that my kid does, right? My daughter has a skateboard and she it's sitting right behind me. She When she leaves the kitchen right now, she is going to, when, when we're done, because she wouldn't do this while I'm on live feed, she will ride it to the couch. And then I don't know why I allow this stuff either, but you know, whatever. Um, and then when she gets off the couch and she goes back in the kitchen, rides it into the kitchen. This is transportation all day. You can hear because we have hardwood floors in the whole house. We just hear back and forth all day. It's so annoying sounding, but I don't think she knows it's annoying. Like I don't, I think sometimes we need to hold the mirror up to kids to say, look, this is what I'm seeing in class, and this is the result that you're getting. 
what result do you want to have? Are we just trying to make people laugh? Are we trying to get attention? Does that make you feel good? Like, like, what do you, like, what do we want? And then let's figure out a better way because, because the thing you're doing isn't necessarily getting you there, right? It's not getting you like good attention. It's just getting you attention. And so is that what you want? Because if that's what you want, then we can just do a whole number of things that are just going to piss everybody off all the time. But, um, I think you're really wonderful. And I think you have a lot to add to the class. And so let's figure out ways that we can do this better. But I think that that conversation can only happen if you start building a relationship with the student. And look, I know that building relationships with kids that annoy the crap out of you and everyone else is really, really difficult. But the way that we do that is by just asking simple questions. So I'll, I'll be on, look, last week, there is a student that has been having a difficult time in my class and they are slightly annoying. Last week after school, I'm hanging out with all the homies. It's like me and Ham and Muppet and the, and the usual cast of characters after school. That student comes in and they're doing their thing. They're, they're being too much. And it was more like instead of me telling them to calm down, I just let the students kind of handle that. And then I and then it became a question of like, I said, look, this like that dude left. They kind of like knocked him down a peg. And I said, he's having a really hard time in class. And these are the kind of things that he's doing. What do you think that I should do? And they were like, yo, we got this, Reynolds. And it became the students like trying to help me problem solve because they were just like, if he wants attention, then we're just going to say, like, what's his name? I'm going to say what's up to him in the hallway. And then students start helping with that. Or um, the next time that we were having lunch together, like, why don't you invite him in to have lunch with us? And this was like ham and the gang, like – like problem solving as to what we were going to do for the student because then we were giving him attention, but in a better way so that hopefully that was going to minimize the attention seeking behavior that was happening in the classroom. So sometimes it's like thinking about not just stuff you're doing in the classroom, but what's going on around and maybe picking some like really trusted students to be like, Hey, look, you guys are seeing this right too, right? Like, what do you think we should do about this? And then you're empowering students to, to, to handle problems and, and help people out and like, and, and uplift people in a situation where people really just want to like crap on other kids because it's like it's easier to do and it's you know first of all they don't have an answer i'm yeah. sorry incubus is playing in akron on saturday Can is tracy, tracy? pinter going <laughs> <laughs> she probably knows them you want to go to incubus how who knows so much stuff happened in ohio i know right it just makes weekend. me ohio just makes me think of what was that show that everything happened. It was that show. What was the show I with the guy? Had, no, the Drew glass. Carey. Drew Carey show. Oh, it wasn't Ohio, right? That's what it makes me think of. It's like, it also makes me think of when um, Wayne and Garth were were like going magically green screen to places and they ended up in Delaware and they're like, or magically being whisked oh, away to Delaware. Hi, we're in Delaware. Like, it just, that's what it makes me think of. She says she doesn't know where she's going. Oh, she doesn't or she know. She might stay in town for that. She doesn't we'll know. We'll have to talk later. Yeah, maybe. we'll have to figure it out because I have a ton. It's like Ohio is like the oh, time Cleveland. of. Oh yeah, um, of a ton of connections. Like there's a ton of people. Like I am, I am going to be a networking beast because there's so many interesting people that I want to meet while I'm there too. Um, Hannah is asking. I'm a first year teacher and straight out of college. How do you keep your confidence and posit and positive mindset, especially when making mistakes? We tell students to keep growth mindset easier said than done. A hundred, Hannah, 100%. Mm -hmm. 
teachers are often the worst students. Like it's like all the stuff we tell kids that do, it's like, we don't do it ourselves. And I think, look, the first way that you do that is, what is the dog doing behind me? He's just like, he's just picking the bone up and drop, talking about attention seeking behavior. Um, We, I think the way that I do this is, uh, I started getting up and I've done this my whole life. Like I find, like I find that for me, getting up early works better. So, but in my life, it is something like I get up early, I pray, I meditate, I journal, um, I run every day. Sometimes on really tough days, I meditate after school. I hang with my family. I hang with my friends. Like there's all these things that I do. I make sure I get up and read in the morning and I only read good stuff. I listen to podcasts that are uplifting on the way to school. Like whether it's somebody on Rogan, somebody on, um, on who's my other guy I listen to rich roll or the Aubrey Marcus podcast or something like that. that I feel like it's going to uplift me on my way in, or I'm listening to music, only music that is putting me in a positive mindset. So I'm not listening to like hardcore heavy metal or like, I'm not listening to like certain types of hip hop or whatever. Like I'm not listening to sad music. I want to be on 11 when I walk in, but sometimes that stuff is like, there's there's so many options that we're like, if I can't do all of them, then I just suck. And so it's like, can you get up five minutes early, put on headspace, pray, just write a list of three things you want to accomplish today. Um, there's a really great TED talk about a Marine that says like, make your bed in the morning, like every morning, just make your bed, because then at least you accomplish something. And when you go to bed that night, you can see that that accomplishment again is right in front of you. Maybe um, my kids like to do something that they learn from their friends called a rose and thorn. So at dinner time, every night we talk about a rose, something wonderful that happened today and a thorn, something that was difficult that happened today. So it's like just finding a thing you do. And then when you do that for a while, maybe add another thing on and then another thing. And then I think that's how we get into this space of like really filling ourselves up because we're cutting out time for ourselves. And maybe if you feel like you have zero time, you can find five minutes, you can find 10, 15 20 minutes, eventually an hour, like where you're really pouring time into yourself. And I think it comes down to like, I'll say it again, because I think this is going to be my next tattoo is like um, this idea that there's two wolves inside of us and that that one wolf is the wolf that is like, is never satisfied. It is always hungry. It is prideful. It's your ego. It's filling up. It's all that, the, the negative kind of stuff inside of you. The other side is all the goodness, the kindness, the empathy. And so which wolf wins when they battle it out? It's whichever one you feed the most. And I love that idea of feeding the good wolf, that when I'm listening to the right things, when I'm praying, when I'm meditating, when I'm writing lists of gratefulness, when I'm working on like a vision board, when I am um, envisioning what I want my day to look like in the best possible way they could turn out, when I am putting time into my wife and my kids and eating good food and like all that stuff is me just feeding the good wolf. And that's literally how I envision it. It's like, I'm feeding that part of myself, which is the soulful, uh, beautiful part instead of, um, the part that is mostly about my ego and about my pride and about like all that negative self-talk garbage that is like constantly fighting for attention as well. Uh, this is your last question. Cool. I lost the original last question. It was right behind this one and it just disappeared. Oh, I'm sorry. So now I'm just picked a random one. This yeah. is not a question. Oh, it's this this one. 
Okay, Eric, um, I recently learned that some of my students dislike either me or my subject, and I'm worried that, uh, that that dislike will get in the way of them learning. How would you approach the situation like this? Eric, I, I have students every year that don't like me, right? And so like, if you watch me on YouTube, you might think like that everyone is always in love with rounds and it is not the case. I had a student this year that on the second day of school, we did an activity that I thought was awesome. And he told my co-teacher that he hates me and that he hates coming to my class every day. And for me, right, like full disclosure, I really like when people like me and when they don't like me, it really, it really affects me. Bad. I'm getting really hot in this light ring all of a sudden. Yeah. It affects me on a deep, it's like I said earlier, like it's like the one crappy comment makes me like, like that's what hits me the most, even though I'm living in, you know, it could be like I'm in a sea of love, but there's like that one piece of litter that's floating along. That's all I can focus on. When that happens, one of the things I talk to students about is look, whether individually or as a group, right? I might have a group that's like, ah, this class has sucked. I thought it was going to be better or whatever. It's like, look, my, if I'm real honest with you, I don't care if you like me and I don't care if you like my class. I don't care if you get out of this loving reading or if you become a lifelong reader or if you become like you love writing. That is not the goal. My goal is to help you move the chances of success in the right way. So even if you don't like me, I need you to know that I care about you and I care about your success more than you could imagine, despite how you feel about me. Because if I get caught up in the fact that I just want you to like me or like my class, then that's all I'm focusing on. I want to be impactful in your life. And sometimes that's going to happen whether you like me or not. So like, I think when you have that conversation, it's really hard for people to still not like you. Um, and although that's not my goal, it is a byproduct of having those sorts of conversations because what you're doing is checking kids and saying, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about you. And so if you were to change this class, if you were to change the way that I'm teaching, like, what is it? Like, is it, if it's the way that I'm teaching or, or the, or this kind of stuff that we have to do, like, what would you rather do instead? Like, let's put, let's have that conversation. And I'm not saying like, once a kid tells you what, how they would change the class, that's what you need to do. You like hop to and like give them what they want. But maybe they say like, we don't ever move with like all the books we read are old. We don't ever like talk about stuff or like, I think this is interesting. Like, and like when you start figuring out what students would rather do, sometimes you can just shift. Like, it's like, what you're doing can just be taught in a different way so that those students can feel heard, they can feel cared about, they can feel like they are empowered, that they are an active participant in the direction in which this class is gonna go. Um, I've had kids before tell me that like, this project sucks, like why, like a whole class be like, this sucks, why are we doing this? And I go, all right, maybe, maybe this does suck. Like, what do you wanna do instead? Like, this is what I have to teach, I have to teach persuasive essay techniques, right? And then my first year we were doing like just the essay and I was doing it through the lens of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech and how that was a persuasive speech. And they were like, this sucks. Can we do a project instead? And I said, like what? And so I thought, well, what if we made um, products? Like everyone had to so come up with a creative solution to a common day problem and, and create a product for that. 
And what if that product became like an infomercial? And now you had to create an infomercial for your product where you're using all the same persuasive techniques that we were going to use in the essay, but instead you're creating a, a, a solution for a problem that people don't like. And sometimes they were hilarious. Like it was like um, bedhead or body odor or pens that explode, like whatever it is, your kids are coming up with creative solutions and they're using all the same things. And then it became something that everyone loved. Everybody wanted to do it. Um, or several years ago when we were studying like uh, plot development, like that little triangular thing you studied in high school and in elementary school. And so instead of using short stories, we started reading children's books and breaking down children's books and looking at the plot arc in children's books because it was just shorter and sweeter. And then the kids were creating children's books as something we're getting ready to do in class again. Um, and it just shifted things a little bit. It was the same stuff that we had to learn, but just in a cooler way of doing it. And I think that that's like a conversation you could have with your students, any number one of those things. So look, that is our last question because I'm, I'm starving. I'm just realizing I didn't eat anything at all today. I know, I didn't eat anything. We had breakfast and that was it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm starting to, to, to die. What is this? Someone doing yeah, something stupid. What an are. idiot. Um, talk about cry for attention. Uh, but at the, <laughs> whatever. Um, you're in the wrong group, bro, because we are a strong, amazing group of individuals here. So look, everybody, um, if I can help with anything during the week or if you need help during the week, there's a couple of options. You can either you can sign up for mentoring on our website. Um, email's not like email's very, very hard to get back to anymore because I get so many of them. So I think that this group going on and doing great stuff on the Facebook group is, is a place to get help. You can also sign up for mentoring where you can do one-on-one -on -one calls with me for either 30 minutes or an hour. You can sign up on the website at realrapwithreynolds.com um, or show up at any of the events that we're doing. So this next week, I'll be at Rowan University tomorrow night in New Jersey uh, as part of something. I'm also going to be at Teach Better in Ohio the following week. I'm at St. Joe's University the weekend after that as part of something that you can get involved with. And then, and then I think we have a break, which I need because I have to get, I have to work on the book. Um, and that's it. Gang, I think you're amazing. I hope you have a really amazing week. And I hope that like everything that you're, you, that you put some time into yourself, gas up your own car so you can go somewhere this week, which is selling. Like I was talking about, I don't know what the hell I'm saying there. I just think that's a great thing. Maybe it's just because I'm really hungry. I think you're wonderful. I hope you have a great week. That's it. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.